Welcome back, guys, to episode number 14 of the Slap the Ask show. We have an extremely exciting guest on today. We have King Blamey. He is the founder of the King Street Trading Discord and has some of the, the best calls out there. Um, welcome to the show, King Blamey. Happy What's to up? have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. It's always nice to uh, do these. Yeah, this is like uh, the fourth one or something at this point now. You're <laughs> yeah. turning into a celebrity. <laughs> oh, no, no. You know, um, I just like to do these interviews so that uh, people can kind of see how attainable it is. Right. Yeah, well, awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show and taking the time out of your uh, day. We're recording this uh, Sunday morning. And so yeah. really where you're based, you're based in Guatemala, which I think is super cool. Right um yes yeah, yeah so about here so i've only really been here for you know pushing two months now okay. yeah. um so i guess my first question would just kind of be uh what brought you to guatemala what uh, was the crux of the issue that made you move there right um well actually it kind of started way back man probably when i was like 15 just really into photography. Um, I've always been into photography, still am. Actually just got a couple of new lenses for my cameras. Um, anyhow, I was really into photography and I was on Instagram all the time. And this, this photographer from Guatemala really, really established um, commercial portrait photographer, uh, landscape photographer. She started following me on Instagram. We just always kind of like, talked, communicated about each other's work. And then like, I don't think she knew how old I was, but like three, four years later, um, when I was like 19 or 18, can't quite remember. Um, she invited me down to Guatemala and uh, cause that's where she was based. Should I mention that? And um, I went to visit her. So I stayed down here for like three weeks and met a ton of like creative people, lots of photographers, designers and stuff so just really love the community down here and it's a beautiful country so once I you know um got the ability to start like looking for properties and stuff I'm I'm coming down here to kind of uh get my first property abroad so okay so are you you're uh renting your place now and just looking for a house or Renting a place off of a friend, yeah. Um, okay. He is traveling, doing some photography right now. So I'm here. And then when he gets back, I'll have my own place. Uh, probably start renting and until I find something worth investing in. That's awesome. Yeah, our uh, other roommate and uh, former guest uh, at Miking Around, he is also a nature photographer. Um, oh. He's, actually, he's traveling out to Oregon as we speak right now to take some nature photos. Oh. Oregon's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And you talked about going down to like Costa Rica, you know, moving to Central America to kind of like live this lifestyle of being involved oh, in nature. You so, mentioned that. Yeah, so I feel like it's kind of like a, it's funny yeah. that that's what brought you down there as well. It's a, it is, uh, yeah, it's a really special, it's a really special place down here. I think Costa Rica is similar, similar. Yeah. There's a lot of really great places you can find. Yeah, I went, to, I went to Costa Rica like three years ago and it was one of my favorite trips ever. Have you ever been to like Capos in Costa no. Rica? 
No, I've been to Costa Rica, but you know, I I was at like a resort, and I never. Oh, okay. Went. Yeah, that isolated was isolated from the time. general population. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Dave, how's that? Is that like a like a beach area or? Yeah, it's kind of like a tourist destination. Um, right. But it was cool because the Airbnb was literally on like a mountain, just like looking over this inlet in the ocean. Yeah. It was so nice. That's what I love about Airbnbs. You can find really, really nice spots. Yeah. yeah. Um, instead of hotels, you know, where the service is great in a hotel. That's, you know, you can't really beat that. It's so different from what you get at home. But an Airbnb, you get to pick your place. Mm-hmm. And I found a really nice spot here at Lake Atitlan. I'm in Antigua. Mm-hmm. And at Lake Atitlan, there's this gorgeous, gorgeous property that I spent some nights at last month. And I just booked a couple nights back there because uh, it's, it's so nice. I love being there. I love working from there. So Nice. That's awesome. Definitely, uh, definitely nicer than Philly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I've never been to Philly. Um, there's some perks. There's some perks. I'm not a huge city person. I've lived in the city my whole life. And it like it it something about it is uh taxing on my mental. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so yeah. Uh another question I had is I find it kind of interesting. So you're Canadian trading US stocks down in Guatemala. Yeah. Is there like some sort of like visa issue or a weird like uh approvals you need to get in order to do something like that? Or no, it's very simple. No, um you can continue trading and uh in the Canadian accounts, the registered accounts, uh, you just can't, once you become a resident elsewhere, you can't um, contribute to it anymore. But whatever you have in there, you can keep trading with. Okay, cool. Are you still pay taxes through Canada? At the moment, yeah, yeah. Okay. For the next year, unless I become a resident elsewhere. Because with Canada, it's, it's not like the States where there's a, huge process it's just uh-huh. wherever your residency is that's where you're paying taxes makes it easy yeah uncle sam will take your taxes regardless of where you're at yeah so yeah. i've heard yeah my mom lives in the states actually and she okay. she could become uh she could get like her green card um but she she told me she doesn't want to because then if she ever wanted to live elsewhere she'd have to like pay the states Right. Yeah. No, it's tough. Yeah. You're basically going to be double taxed for the rest of your mm-hmm. life. That's why people, I know a lot of retirees in the States move down to like Panama and Costa Rica yeah. because they don't really have local taxes down there. So right. the cost of living is so much cheaper. Um, but cheap. I feel like one question that always has to be asked on a trading show interview is what started you, what got you into trading in the first place? Right. Well, for me, it's um, I, I've heard other people have given this answer, too. So it's, it's not um, anything crazy. Just I had a family member, you know, when I was in high school, family member of mine, um, not quite an uncle, like my my sister's uncle. Right. So um, he was just an investor, not so much trading, but he would always talk to me how important it is to invest, you know, in equities, especially in um dividends and everything so I started investing when I was young like in high school and then I started trading a little more after high school but that was just position trading 
you know, um, like basically just riding a trend out for like six months. Um, so I would do that while I was working. And then when coronavirus hit, which was about three years later, so sorry, <laughs> three years into like my work career and just like passively investing. Um, and then I started trading a lot more because there was so much more volatility, especially like with small caps, penny stocks, you could just swing them, you know, either direction. Um, so I started doing that with commons, like every day, day trading, swing trading a lot more frequently and started trading SPY um, because I noticed it was just like always moving so much and options were super liquid. So I started doing that pretty much every single day. And that opened a lot of doors for me to you know, day trade individual stocks, which is um, just for options, which is what I've basically been doing for the past year rapidly. So yeah, it, it's a slow transformation, still still evolving. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 22. Okay, so you so you started trading like when you were 18, like pretty. Yeah, young. like 17, 18. Okay, yeah. so you've been doing it for a while now. Yeah, well, I remember not trading, investing back then, and investing, then trading yeah. more when I was 19. Okay. 19, 20, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Uh, do you ever follow that uh, that Instagram guy? And he's on Twitter. He does all of the. He basically travels the world and day trades. You probably know who I'm talking about. I don't but know. I feel, I feel like your lifestyle kind of reminds me of that. Like move to Guatemala, start trading <laughs> full time. It's I do cool. like trading. I do like trading. It. It's a. It's a lot like um, when you can day trade full time. Um, you can just do it from anywhere. I, I, I trade from my laptop and I always have, like, I don't need three screens or I can pull up multiple charts on my one screen. That's fine for me. So yeah, I use my laptop and it's pretty liberating. Um, jobs that I've had where I've been trading at the same time. Um, I was full-time working as a uh, station attendant for an airline, which is like, you know, packing planes, pushing them out onto the runway, not runway, onto the tarmac. Um, don't want anyone getting caught up on specifics, but. Uh, yeah. So when did you, uh, so you don't have, you trade full-time now, right? Yeah. Okay, so when did you yeah, make that so switch? That was like COVID or before that's, that? That's why I started doing it. Another reason why I started day trading so much is because I was um, not, laid off of my job but put off duty because like there's nothing for us to do mm -hmm. uh, so that's uh when i started to kind of day trade more to facilitate a little more income um and then i quit my job like when they started calling people back just a couple couple uh months ago i think yeah. nice yeah, that's got to so be pretty liberating now to uh not have to work yeah. for the man anymore. <laughs> it's a, it's a two-edged sword because I saved a lot of money working for an airline, uh, uh, right. traveling. So, <laughs> true. That's works. That. <laughs> but I, I have friends there, so hopefully, you know, we'll just we'll travel together and yeah. it'll be fine. Well, uh, Jimmy's dad's a pilot for American, so maybe he can uh, oh, okay. hook you up with some plane. You know exactly what I'm talking about, then. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of nice perks. Uh, yeah. In the airline business in your family for sure. Mm -hmm. I know there was a while I was like, I need to keep this job forever until like part-time and just retire and like, like I would be doing my kids a disservice if I didn't <laughs> retire from this airline because if you retire there, your kids get the perks for life. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, so, uh, but you know what? I'm doing my kids a disservice, so whatever. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I don't have them yet, <laughs> just to They're still imaginary creatures at this point. Yeah. You cross that bridge whenever it comes, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting how you mentioned before you love trading spy because of how liquid it was and how liquid the options are. Um, right. Luke and I, we talk with all types of traders, particularly OTC traders and a few people that trade big boards. And what big boards guys always say is how they don't like the OTC because there's liquidity issues, um, with some stocks in there. Yeah. And there's also, you know, they're prone to scams and things like that. There's so many like catalysts that can come into play that you can't really foresee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, liquidity definitely is one you could foresee, but um, in terms of like scams and stuff, yeah, something could. It's tough. Yeah. Doing your research like to a crazy extent, OTC is hard. Right. So I guess my question is: Is your method of trading basically reliant on super liquid stocks due to the fact that it's basically day trading or? Options? I do like. It's, it's a lot harder to get uh, a good fill like with the price action. So the option won't move as, it won't move with the price action if no one's buying the contract. So there's like a couple examples, like there's some stocks like they, uh, DKS is one stock um, that has really low open interest and uh, volume, but it has such a nice range that if you can get the fills, it's worth, you know, trading. Um, but there's just always that risk that like no one's going to buy <laughs> what you're selling. So uh, with SPY, you don't have to worry about that. You put the order in and it's gone. Like if you're putting it at, if you're not setting your orders outside the bid and the ask, then it'll get filled. Yeah. And so the option contract is always going to move with the price action. Like with SPY, the stock can move like three cents and all the options are going to move unless they're super far out of the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like with small caps, it's very like market sensitive too. Like there's either, you know, there's either a good market to be trading small caps or not. Yeah. Whereas like the big boards, you can kind of, you know, you can play off of all your indicators and stuff and make money. Yeah, all all year, all year long, there's volume and large caps, which means the price action like can establish more trends and it's gonna react better to technicals. You know, if, if there's no volume there's no one who's trading the stock based on technicals, just a handful of people, everything else is computers. So there's, there's, it's hard to put your reading into the trade if there's no volume in it. So, yeah, no setup is complete without volume. That's a huge thing a lot of people say. And it's, it's very true. Like you can scale into a setup when there's not a lot of volume there, you know, take some starter positions, but you do not want to be positioned fully until you see the volume, you know, break up or down for you, um, whichever way you're trading, right? Yeah, they always say selling a strength, right? Yeah. It's good to know. Um, would you say you use fundamentals at all in your trading strategy or is it purely technicals? Um, well, for day trading, I don't use fundamentals, you know, at all. Um, 
sometimes, you know, I, I always preface the news for the price action just to kind of know what kind of sentiment there will be there. Like the sentiment will tell you kind of if the dips are going to be bought, you know, or, or not. And so that's always good to relay into the price action. But for fundamentals, yeah, it was, it was pretty much all I did. Um, besides for position trading, I would do a lot of fundamental research, um, just kind of into the company's potential and where it's currently at financially. And then I would just kind of do a brief technical analysis on the overall trends, just basically spotting channels, wedges, long-term okay. trends. Yeah. So one question I have, I think the viewers would be interested in is like, what is like your portfolio breakdown? Is it like you're trading all big boards or you have, you know, you have some index funds, you have like an IRA, like kind of how do you, how do you break out your portfolio to protect yourself? Well, I've, I've like multiple different accounts. So I have an account for investing. I have an account for day trading, right. And I have an account for swing trading and I don't really like mix them up like when I say swing trading I mean more long longer swings not like a week I'll, I'll do those short-term week long swings in my day trading account you know like weekly contracts basically is what I'm trading in my day trading account I have some long-term holdings and just companies that I'm really confident in and have good great entries in you know and I just have some dividends that I reap from that um, basically what I can tell you is that for when the market's really choppy right now and not establishing a clear trend, I trim like all my, all my swing positions. The only thing I don't trim is my investments based on the market. Um, cause I have such a good entry on those. I'll, I've already trimmed like my right. investments. I, I will trim and I'll add back into them. It's not okay. something where I just keep it stagnant. So like Sabre hit like $16 and I sold around there. That was like one of my just sell off a portion. And so I sold there and I added back in and I'll wait to add back in, you know, on the next dip after earnings or something like that. Uh, my, my portfolio basically, um, it's hard because there's separate accounts, so I can't like ratio it for right. you. Mm -hmm. um, but in my swing account, I'm 60% cash, you know, okay. when the market's like this right now. And in my investment account, I'm also like 50% cash. So I can stop if I want to buy some dips, I can do that. Right. And then in my day trading account, at the end of the day, for the most part, unless I'm swing trading, I'll be 100% cash. If I have a few swings, I'm only exposed 25%. So I'm still 75% cash by the end of the day. So cash is like a huge holding for me, basically. <laughs> cash is like my biggest holding. Well, I feel like that's a trend for a lot of the more experienced traders is it's very hard for when you first start trading, you just want to put all of your money into the market because you have everyone, you know, tweeting, everything's going to, you know, a dollar and small caps, you know, everything's positive, right? So yeah. you get into the market and you just throw all of your money in and then you can lose an insane amount of money like very quickly. But I feel yeah. like the more experienced traders, they, they sit on their cash positions. They wait for the opportunity. They'll kind of day trade for cash flow like you do. And uh, it seems to work. 
it's um it depends like it's hard with a small amount of capital it's it's easy to think that you have to put all your money in right and so you can quickly just keep flipping it and flipping it but really that's like how you get into this whole pattern of like overexposing yourself and uh it's it's really easy to fall into that habit and that's a really hard habit to break so even if you do have a small account you want to start on the right foot by nurturing like healthy trading habits um and so just like if you have a 100 dollars account and you're swinging small caps, you can still only use $50 and you can still make money. It's just going to take a little longer. Um, for me, like a huge thing was compounding small gains. Like I would be out of positions at like 7%. I'm already like 75% out. <laughs> I'm riding like free position, like my free position for an extra maybe 10 20% like if it's going to go anywhere and then I have a stop loss that'll take me out like break even just under right so just like that's how you can compound small gains onto you know while maintaining cash so if you have $50 and you know you make 10% on that that's only going to be $5 but if you do that five times that's $25. Now you've made like 50% on the capital you've been using, um, which yeah. is like 25% on your port. So that's still significant. It just takes a little bit of time. Um, yeah. But if you do that, then once you have $1,000, right, or $500, whatever it is, um, once you're starting to use more capital, you've already maintained some healthy habits and you're not going to fall into this rabbit hole of losing your ass and trying to figure out how to get it back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I, think I think it's it's more of like a percentage game, right? Yeah. If, if you practice those good habits early, you break out your percentages. And then when you have more money, you're protecting yourself on the downside rather than just like, yeah. oh, it's 500 bucks. I'll just throw it all in one ticker. Exactly. Because then it's, you know, like 300 bucks, and 100 bucks down the drain. Right. Hey, YOLOing is cool though, right? No. yeah <laughs> jimmy loves the yolo small caps well so. no <laughs> well i guess my story to trade well, not yolo you'll yeah a lot of people I... it works a lot of people it works out you you yolo like once or twice three times you like get a hot streak and then you yolo the last time and, and then you lose that's it. the <laughs> last time you yolo because you just lose it well exactly i mean yoloing when i first got into the market like a couple years ago that's like what did me in i was yoloing options off of yeah and it screwed me so yeah, it will definitely, definitely screw you if you're yellowing. Options <laughs> unforgiving because, you know, like the money you put into options is basically money you're saying goodbye to. Like if it expires, it's worthless. If it mm -hmm. expires worthless, it's worthless, right? If you don't touch it, it's just going to go to nothing, to nowhere. So, so. How, how, how many, like you, how, you trade options a lot, I feel like. Mm -hmm. It's like all I, all I trade right now okay i have like very little reason to trade um common stocks there's yeah. just not the risk reward just like yeah you have to put so much money to make anything yeah. yeah yeah i always say options are kind of like trading small caps because you get similar returns but you like you don't have to use the same amount of money to get the kind of returns you would you know in a small cap you have to put in like a two thousand dollars 
yeah. options you can put in 500 and you can see that same capital return right. um, with only risking 500 you know whereas with two thousand dollars in a small cap small caps can go down 50 percent pretty easy and mm -hmm. go down 30 percent pretty easy so you're still risking a lot like with options if you're not if you don't know what you're getting into with options, you're going to see your position down like 25, 40% and you're going to sell and then it's going to go up on you. And yeah, it can, it can be like options is a crazy, crazy world. But um, for me and for a lot of people, when you can, you know, analyze the chart and you can just like trade your plan based on the chart, I know that if I'm down 45%, and it's still, you know, respecting this trend I have and I'm, the volume's decreasing and it's looking like it's going to break my way and I'm down 45%, great. I can <laughs> add, you know, because um, I'm not overexposed. I'm scaling into the setup. I'm waiting for that, you know, trend to break. I'm waiting for it to theta to give me a bit of a discount and then I'll add in, you know, position myself accordingly. You know, I'm not, you're never going to, you're hardly ever going to get a perfect entry with options, but it's more about like following a plan based on the chart than it is about getting the perfect entry, getting all in at once and having it go 200%. Cause that's not really how it works, but um, it's, it's nice because intraday you have a lot more like planning and trading and positioning to do than with small caps you probably like position yourself on one or two dips before it breaks out and then you're selling and, and you're done but with this you can trade while it's consolidating you can flip small scalps you can there's there's a lot more you can do because the range of the option contracts moves so much faster than the price action so there's just more you can do yeah so I like that you're bringing up options and you know, if you look in the past, like several months of the market, we had these huge short, short squeezes that happened like GME, EMC. Yeah. But then we look at like a stock like Tesla that went way up. They call that more of like a gamma squeeze than a short squeeze where people are just heavily buying all these call options and that just gamma squeeze the whole price to move up aggressively. When you right. trade options, like how much are you looking at the Greek indicators? Um, it's like how the the theta is looking. I know on Wall Street bets, people love to play earnings reports for Nasdaq stocks. But after the earnings results come in, theta fucking gets crushed, drops, and then your option, even if your price moves the direction you want it to, your theta crushed into your option not being worth as much. So like when you trade options, are those big indicators you look at? Yeah, um, when I'm trading options day trading options um usually i'm more focusing on like liquidity uh i do check out like theta um because i want to know you know what's working against me immediately another one to look out for is iv like if iv is super high then the option contract is also like amplified a little bit its premium is going to be higher and that's that's what you see ahead of earnings a lot of time is yeah, like yeah, the stock will be volatile. And so it'll have like IV, like going through the roof. Mm -hmm. Option contracts will be super high. And then when it moves against you, like the contract premium just crushes the opposite direction. So that's what happens there. And um, yeah, so 
you got to look out for theta. You got to look out for IV. You should really know basically um, all of them. There's there's a couple good videos that just give you a good briefing on yeah. them. Um, there's one by TD that's like super fast and super good. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, for me, I, I usually use a options profit calculator. It's a good website. And uh, if I'm going to be swing trading, I'll kind of give that a look at a price range and an entry point and kind of just so I know from that point on what what I'm working with and what I'll be scaling in with um, where I'll be getting you know it, positions to add where I'm going to be cutting at certain like stop levels so that's a good tool to use um, the Greeks are influencing the entire price of the options contract um, so they're definitely good to learn about but for me, like day trading, more just about the liquidity. And I stay, I stay at the money. I don't go out of the money too far. You can get huge runners by going out of the money, but I would prefer to be able to see the stock move like 10 cents and also see my options contract move 10% than waiting for the stock to move a bunch just to get a big movement. So I can scalp those small moves you know, take small profits, reposition. That's what I like. So I, I do at the money. Okay, cool. Good to know. Um, so, you know, thank you for telling us about your option strategy. Um, I know one part of this uh, conversation you want to share with us is this new indicator that you're using to help you uh, facilitate your trades. Um, so I figured we might as well dive in now and uh, tell us and tell our viewers how you utilize this to make some money. For sure. Um, okay, so first, first what I'll do is I will show you what, you know, my setup usually looks like on its own without my blamey bands is what I call them. Um, the famous blamey bands. Yes. So um, usually it's just Bollinger bands right here. You have the blue dotted one in the middle. That's your mid band, which is also the 20 SMA. And then you have the EMA nine. Right. And uh, basically, you can see that under here, back here, right? It's like crossing over and under and just consolidating. And then it crosses over and it holds over. And so you get a bit of a rally. This light is like super weird. It's like blinding <laughs> your eyes. Yeah. Blame me, if you don't mind, could you just explain EMA and SMA for like the newer viewers that are watching? Okay, so um, EMA is the exponential moving average. Um, you can have, so these are moving averages and they, you know, calculate on a certain length of bars. So that's what the different number is. So it's dependent on your time frame. So like the SMA 20 is going to be like 20 length bars on the one minute. And this one's the EMA nine. So it's following the price action a lot closer because it's nine length. Also the EMA exponential, the difference between exponential and simple off the top of my head basically is that the exponential moving average follows the price action closer than the simple moving average which kind of lags behind the price action a little bit it still follows it closely because it's a it's a 20 sma it's a short number there's also like the 200 sma which some people use for day trading it's not for me it might show you very very significant levels but they're going to be pretty far from the price action so i use the 20 and the and the nine, and I use that EMA nine because it's a very popular length 
um, for that moving average. And I use the SMA20 because it's mid-band, also a very popular length for that moving average. Um, and I'm trying to basically read signals that other people are reading and because that's gonna dictate the price action, what other people are seeing, how they trade those signals. So I use very commonly used indicators. You can see like, I don't even, VWAP's a really good one to have. I don't have it right now. Um, it's something where you can kind of guess where VWAP is if, you, if you've used it a ton, like on the um, one minute here, VWAP's probably around mid-band, like around 51.75. Um, but so these are the signals I'm focusing on, and I just keep it, I just keep it clean. This is how it is usually. And then this is blamey bands here. I'll show you. Sorry, you guys just I moved you and now you're in my way and I can't. There we go. Okay. Uh, so blamey bands is basically this, but what I've done is I have duplicates of both those moving averages and um, on different on a different time frame. So you'll see a cloud between the matching moving averages. So there will be a cloud between both EMAs. There will be a cloud between both 20 SMAs. Okay, so the minimum you can use it on is the two minute. And you can see that um, basically I've had it so that when both the EMA nines cross over both the 20 SMAs, then you're going to get this green color change and the and the 20 is going to go from purple to blue um and then when it crosses under it's going to go from green to red and blue to purple um the key the thing here with the signal is it has to it will only change colors when both moving averages cross both the other moving averages so that that gives you a signal on on two different time frames so you know that there's more people observing it more people acting on it it's going to be a bit of a stronger signal um, the other thing with this this indicator where you use two different moving averages is you can see a bit of you know a measure of volatility so you can see right now um, these bands i call them you know, they're really stretched out. And so the 20 SMA band is very stretched out on the 15 minute, which is measuring um, a shorter time frame and the 15 minutes. So you can see it's really stretched out, meaning the price action on the smaller time frame is moving ahead of the price action on the longer time frame in this trend. So it's outpacing it, you're getting that stretch. And you can see when it's stretched, kind of starts to slow down. The the EMA band, it follows the price action closer than the SMA band. So you're gonna see it stretch and contract, stretch and contract with the price action more than the SMA band will. It'll take longer because the 20 SMA lags. So you can see that the EMA band contracts here. This is volatile. So it slows down the EMA band contracts and then it holds here and you get a really strong, this must be, This must be uh, after hours action here on earnings, I think. Um, so you can see like with this move here, you see a huge stretch that you don't usually, you see a gap between the EMA and the SMA and they're both stretched out really far. 
So you can tell that that's overextended. It's also over the upper band. Right. Um, and so that's a good indication right here, basically, that it's going to come back down, especially when it wicks into the um, EMA. And then you see the next signal, the next um, candle off that is a big red candle. It goes right back down, counter trends, and consolidates because these bands are too stretched out and they need to converge again. So they're reconverging, it's consolidating. And uh, what you can see on the 15 minute chart here is you're starting to get both the EMAs to cross into both the SMAs. And if you keep holding under 52 right here, this is a really key level. You're getting convergence in this little 50 cent range. So if you keep holding under 52, you're likely gonna break under 51.50 and you'll see it's been converging, but you'll see momentum come back in and you'll see it stretch down to the downside, right? Just like we did here. Right. So you would put you would place your order slightly below 51 in that case? Like if I was gonna um if you're gonna do that puts, then I would be looking to scale in for them as long as we're holding under 52 here. Okay. To yeah. But if you hold $52, then you're probably gonna continue this strong trend. Ooh, strong trend that it, it's currently a strong trend. You'd be looking for a reversal. So you can see the EMA is maintained, these this E band is maintaining over the M band. And what you'd be looking for here is for the the weakness to come back in and basically the E band cross under that would happen. The longer you consolidate here at 52, the more convergence you're going to get at this level, the easier it's going to be for it to either break over or under. So that can happen with consolidation under 52, or it can happen under 5150. Like you said, that's where you get that cross. So either that break or just holding under 52. That's why I say for puts scaling into this like 52 level resistance would be based on the indicator and move. And then you cut if you held 52 and this cross back over. Um, so when you're using the technicals um, to buy puts and not the actual underlying stock, um, like what are you looking at for the put in regards to like how deep in the money is the put gonna be? How slight out of the money is it gonna be? Um, DraftKings, is, DraftKings is hard because um, like for this one, particularly DraftKings, I really only trade uh, after Wednesday because Monday, Tuesday, the premiums are so expensive. I can't get as close to the money and scale properly as I would want to. For me, it's about that premium price and how close to the money I can be, right? So the further away from the money you are, the less your options contract is going to move with the price action. Unless it goes against you, it'll surely move. It'll surely move if it goes against you. But if it moves for you, it's not going to move until it kind of reaches closer to your strike. So with DraftKings, it's one of those ones where I wouldn't even trade it until like Thursday, Friday. Um, but in that case, on Friday, I was trading it and I was trading right at the money. I was trading the 53 put, the 52 put, 51 put. 51. I like the 51 and a half. Like I like the half cent, the half dollar puts too. Those strikes are nice. Um, just wherever there's open interest volume and it's close to the money. You can see, like, if you did get if you did get a reversal from here, we can go on the hourly. 
like this last rally was maintained for a while. This one right here mm -hmm. over the E, the E band's green and it's over the M band. But then it, it's, it's not too short lived. How many trading sessions is that? It's like 15 trading sessions. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty long term rally, but this one is longer, I think. Yes. Well, what, what do you consider pushing a, 20 days? What do you consider a trading session when you say 15 trading sessions? Like, like days. I don't think I'm oh. showing extended hours here, so it shouldn't show the weekend or anything. Um, this one's been extended a little longer, but you're already seeing it start to cross under here. And it's just maintained its strength. It's, it's recovered, but you could see that weakness that we saw here come back in. And if you did get like a break of this $50 level, you could definitely see momentum back to the downside. Maybe not like a full drop like here, but you could see a strong rally down to like 47, right? Just based on this is, these are stretched out right here. It's re-entering the E band. So now it's coming to this point here where it's gonna be key for it to hold $51. And if it can't hold $51, now we're on the hourly. We were looking at the 15 minute before. But if it can't hold $51, it's going to break under the E band. It's going to enter the M band. You're going to see more weakness under the, the E band because what you're seeing is it's under the EMA9 on multiple time frames. So, on multiple time frames, people see it's under the EMA9. That's a sign of weakness. If it starts to reject the SMA 20 on one time frame, you can assume it's going to start testing the SMA 20 on another time frame, right. right? So basically under this 51 level, you have room immediately to 50. And then that's going to be very key to hold. Otherwise, you're seeing momentum. You're yeah, seeing it kind of goes back to like using the indicators that other people use. So then over yeah. time, you see those same trends that people are trading off the EMA 9. And then you can recognize that trend after doing it enough times. So. Yeah. And um, like you can see right here when I'm talking about the volatility indication of, of this indicator, right here, the S band is really stretched out. And we know that it lags, right? The S band lags. But if it's moving from stretched out to the downside, immediately to stretched out to the upside, that's an unsustainable move. This is very drastically stretched. And it came really fast. So that's why you saw that counter consolidation like immediately. And so if you it held this, it could have continued, but it didn't. It mm -hmm. didn't hold that SMA, which is on the hourly, because you can tell the difference. The dotted one is the one that matches your time frame. So this is the hourly SMA. It broke under that. You saw the momentum down, right. two point drop right there, which is a really nice swing trade. Now, would you ever would you ever short that, or would you just have to put up too much money to really make it worth it? Yeah, for me, shorting is only really um, some. It's only something I do if like the the it's risk reward on the chart is really there, right. um, and if the put contracts might not be something that's very favorable, um, okay. or I'll do it to just kind of compound like a small amount of gains, right? So I'll short for like five, 10% and I'll have options on it with a lot smaller capital, you know, to maximize the profit with some puts. I did that and the last one I did that with was Weight Watchers and I kept the short position open for like a month and I got like 20% out of it. Um, 
but then I was also swinging puts on that time every week to mitigate any chance of it going against me, right? Cool. So when you day trade your options, are they all weeklies or same Yeah, pretty much all weeklies unless like, unless the liquidity is there and the premium is cheap or something further out, like a monthly. But yeah, usually I'll, I'll do the weeklies because the, the risk reward is definitely there. You can get a 20 cent, like if you're analyzing the chart for these, like if we're going on the two minute chart on DraftKings, you can see right here, it enters the, the M band, the E band enters the M band. Mm -hmm. If we hold under 52, 40, you're gonna see weakness continue. So you enter some puts here, you get a nice like dollar drop on that. And that's gonna, that's gonna pay. Uh, reverse thing here, you know, you can see that, that the, um, you can see that the S band right here is stretched out. It's volatile to the downside. So I'm a bear, but I have to recognize that that's not a sustainable move down. So you'll probably see some counter consolidation, which you do see. As soon as you start to hold over both these EMAs, you start to see some nice strong moves. This right here, this counter consolidation into the S band and, and breaking above holding, that's a that's a signal for me to buy. And this would be a nice move on calls if you took it right here, or if you waited for it to retest the S band, not the pop, but the retest holds there. That's a nice move. How much is that? That's a another dollar move on uh, on calls. So it's not about catching the bottom as it is more seeing that confirmation, getting a nice small move. And that's why I do the weeklies because this little, you know, 75 cent, 50 cent move is going to give me 20%, 30% on the option. So, okay. so Blamey, I saw your discord just to bring up something else. Yeah. I saw you have like over 20,000 members and I just looked at it and you have like 1200 people currently online. So like, are you just uh, are you just posting like your entries and uh, what you're playing, or are you providing kind of lessons to your Discord like this, where they well, can kind of learn how to be independent a little bit? Yeah, uh, good question. Like King Street um, came a long, long way, but when it started back in May 2020s, I started King Street before I even had Twitter, because um, <laughs> I was on I was on Discords. So I was just checking them out first time I'd ever checked them out. And um, I noticed like a lot of what people were following wasn't like the best they, the best advice they could hear. Right. Um, and like a lot of the time you could see these trades develop way before that they would get put onto people's radars in these discords. So that's, that's why I started King Street because I thought that that was bogus. And um, it really just did start with me and maybe one of my yeah me and my or the co-founder my buddy um ghost is his name on discord is he on, uh, he's not on twitter right yeah he's not on twitter i'm like one of the few from the discord that are on twitter we have a couple guys on there not a ton it's more focused on the discord so started with me just posting my plays um i used to do a lot of swings like small caps and i post a ton of uh crazy crazy plays back in the day man like and then dm we got that at 75 cents you know like it was 
2020 was nuts, but um, <laughs> it evolved a lot. So we we started tracking tracking our alerts. Um, so we tracked our equity alerts and our options alerts. Um, and that's kind of once we started implementing our own bots is when we like we got a developer and he made a bunch of bots. So we have options flow, dark prints, like uh, dark pool. Um, we have like there's there's tons of stuff. We have like options profit calculators you can use in in the Discord. Um, there's so many bots. Honestly, I don't even know. I have my Discord closed for the interview, so I can't really go in and check. But we do a lot more. So we have, have bots. We track every alert we make. And so, yeah, we post the entry that we're taking. You know, we will tell you kind of what we're looking for. At least at least I do where I'm like scaling into the setup. Certain levels I'll cut out, out of the setup. Um, and then, you know, we don't post exits. That's something we really, really don't do because we want you guys to kind of learn learn to exit on your own exiting is not like a okay this is my price target and that's where i'm getting out exiting is much more like you're you're scaling out you know incrementally you take out one fifth at a time you know you're already taking profit when it's consolidating and then you're going to use that profit to add on the break you know um whatever so there's a lot of ways to learn how to exit a trade and that's why we don't just say like okay now now you're out right yeah i feel like it's a it's a slippery slope yeah when you're exiting because then they're gonna if it goes bad or whatever then people blame you so it's better it's not to making good it's habits not even really that it's yeah we want people to help like we want to help people make good habits and um so aside from our alerts what i got the discord open now so i'm going to be able to so we have like um we have a course from Ryan Rosbiani, um, he posts, you know, trader lessons, wealth management lessons, lots of stuff. And then we have a, a channel where you can go in and any question you had while watching those videos he posts, you can ask him those questions and he'll answer. Um, we have like, I do monthly chart studies. And so I'll post a chart, it's blank. I'll give you guys like criteria and then I'll, you guys will go and you'll do those assignments. Um, you'll post them in a channel. I'll grade every assignment. And uh, last time I think I graded like 60. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's like and, a full-time job right there. <laughs> yeah. And then so I'll grade every assignment and I'll send you guys the grades. And then we'll have a discussion at the end where I post my chart and we discuss the differences or the, the similarities and you know kind of break it down um we have like algorithmic alerts so we actually have an algorithm that selects a contract like that's found through options flow like unusual options activity and it selects based on you know whatever our developer put in there which is like options price and um strike and date and uh you know it just like analyzes and selects this thing has the craziest return rate ever. It's it's like eighty percent accurate since like December. Wow. Like it's Dang. it's ridiculous. And I mean like eighty six percent go over like thirty percent gain. So um, we we track all of our alerts, so it's really easy for us to kind of look into all those statistics, which is nice for people. 
Um, and we have a momentum scanner. We have like live news that comes in. Um, we have weekly chart votes. So like people, you know, request a ticker and it, it gets logged and whichever gets the most votes will be charted by um, two of our team members. Um, we have a few people doing public watch lists. So that's free. Everything else I was talking about was like a, behind a paywall, but we have radio silent play doing watch lists. Um, Great guy. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's really good. And then we have like, I have my blamey alerts channel where I post my day trades for options. I usually post, you know, about three to, I try to keep it under 10 a day. So I do like, even though I might take more trades, I do like three to 10 a day alerts there. We have the co-founder does watch lists and alerts every day. We have aces alerts who's our one of our lords one of our highest ranks and um he he does a ton of stuff in his channel he'll post resources you know for you guys to learn tons of different stuff like different indicators um management just he has a ton of resources in this channel for you guys to pick from um he posts a lesson every day and he posts alerts for day trades and swings and he's insanely talented um he's been here from the start and he like went from you know small account to like trading part-time but supplementing his income more with trading than with his job oh, yeah. yeah so he's come a really long way and he's super helpful and then we have like uh a bunch of chats but one of the really really special chats is the s We've changed the name from spy scalps to SPQQ scalps because we do S we do spy and QQQ in there. Mm -hmm. um, and that room has alerts every single day from our one of our barons, um, Pitter Patter. And he's super talented. I'm also in there every almost every day. But um, since I've been moving, SPY has been like the one thing that I've had to stop trading as much because it's the one thing that really demands the most attention from me. Like I said, it has the most liquid contracts. Those contracts move on like three cent moves. So I have to be glued to the screen 24-7. And <laughs> I've been able to do that because I've been, you know, adjusting to a new city. I have lots of errands to do intraday. So like when I'm running around, I can trade individual stocks from my phone, but spy is something I can't, like I just haven't been able to trust myself on my phone and when I'm running around to do. So I haven't been alerting there, but it's such a good room. Like this is the most collaborative room I've ever seen. People are only relying on the chart here. It's got nothing else, right? So everyone's throwing the charts. They're all collaborating, dissecting it together. They're all giving their trade ideas. And then we have our Baron come in. And he, he alerts the plays, tells you what he's seeing, analyzes the chart a little bit. When I'm in there, I love being in there. I love just analyzing the chart for everyone. I throw the chart all day long and alert my trades for SPY. So I'm excited to get back to that. That'll be probably end of August. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think you know what a lot of people, particularly on Twitter, they always preach about creating some sort of community of traders and investors to help each other out. And it seems like what you've done with King Street, you and your co-founders, anything, you've really fostered this sense of community where everyone's learning, 
everyone's trying to make money and really like, like I said, bouncing ideas off each other and working together to achieve these great big goals. I, I can't even describe it to its fullest. Like it is honestly such an amazing, amazing community. It's, uh, it's fully built for the community. Like we wanted it to be the thing that I noticed underlying in, in almost all other communities. And this isn't a, I haven't been in any communities since I started King Street. Like it's the only one I've been active in. So I don't know where things are at now really. But when I started, I noticed that the chats were never constructive. If they were active, they were even less constructive. You know, I wanted to see a chat where if it became more active, it also became more constructive. So we really like tailored the culture in there from the beginning to be focused on like trading. If you're going to send messages, like make it worthwhile. Like don't, <laughs> um, I forget the phrase that my, my dad used to always say to me, uh, don't speak if you have nothing to, good to say or something like right, that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so like when people message in here, they're like not re rewarded to a crazy extent, but you'll get a higher role if you, you know, are collaborative and, and throwing good ideas and you're helpful. You know, we start like, we start off giving people a very low promotion, but like you can work your way up over time and you can eventually, you know, start, alerting trades and stuff so that's that's how we found a lot of our talent on our team is through internal promotions just over time like we've been around for almost you know like a year and a half at this point almost and um so we've had a lot of a lot of time to kind of put together a good team um yeah it's, it's kind of like a job right you do a good job you get promoted you get more yeah. responsibilities yeah, exactly. Like people really want to um, help each other out because they know how hard trading is and they know how also alluring it is. You don't want to give it up, but while you're not giving it up, you're losing money and that's hard. So we, we really wanted this community to like be a supportive place for people. And not only that, but have a ton of resources that like you basically only need to have this discord up and you're trading up at the same, you're trading platforms up at the same time. And that's all you need because we have news, you know, we have live news coming in, we have options flow, we have dark pool, we have algorithmic alerts, we have, you know, option profit calculator. We have, um, you can visualize the flow. I, I really should refresh myself on all these bots that we have because um, it's insane. You can, you can pull up charts um you can pull up full finviz information of like the float the market cap you know the relative volume you can search through the flow of the day the flow of the month you can search through every single alert we've ever made you know um tons tons of stuff very cool yeah so i think that pretty much wraps up everything unless you got anything else you wanted to add believe me well, I had one question actually. Do you have a question? Yeah. Our friend Birdie, he wants to know what uh, conditioner and shampoo you use. Oh yeah, yeah. Lux. Um, I, I said we had the two the two guys with the best hair on the podcast already on FinTwit. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I I think right now I'm using Garnier. Uh, like sponsor this man. Sponsor him. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, Garnier, like natural coconut conditioner and um, shampoo. But to be honest with you, I really just use like whatever right. is available to me. Sorry. Whatever they sell in Guatemala. Yeah, like whatever is available at the store now at this point. Yeah. Um, my favorite, though, my favorite is um, what I used to use in Canada um, is organics. And at the end with an X and it has a ton of different, it's, you know, natural and it has a ton of different um, scents, but they're all made from, you know, the, the actual ingredient. I think there's like Moroccan, Moroccan oil. And it's not even a word. I don't know, but um, oh, that's a word. yeah, yeah. Moroccan oil and shea butter. They have like coconut. They have all the, all these really nice smelling things. And it's really, really good for your hair. Um, I have a friend who, um i don't know but it's kind of a warning to anyone any guy who wants to grow out their hair because um a friend of mine when he was younger used horse shampoo um he was trying to grow his hair out this was years and years and years ago and i don't know if there's any correlation but now he's losing his hair and he's oh, the same yeah. age as me so so uh so me, now that we learned that valuable losing his hair <laughs> that valuable information um yeah. <laughs> already had another fun question he said what would you do if you weren't a trader what would be your job i assume travel photography right or yeah i would probably still be like pursuing that a, a lot um traveling was hard during the pandemic um i think i would probably want to do like portrait fine art photography um not so much like commercial work or anything like that, just like fine art photography and have like galleries and stuff. That's probably something that trading will actually enable me to do because it requires funding. Um, and like we usually don't support artists unless you're like, you know, crazy, one of a kind, never seen before. Not, not really like that. So now I might be able to realize that dream, but that's, you know, portrait photography is probably my biggest passion, always has been, um, and traveling. So, yeah, I'd probably be doing something there. Maybe um, actually something I wanted to pursue was uh, film, the film industry, uh, director of photography. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, not, not, not so much anymore. I'm pretty content with what I do, um, but yeah. Well, trading can be pretty stressful at times, so it's good to have those hobbies to... Uh release some of your uh yes from the week i do i do take pictures every single day you know and i moved here so that i could just go out on the weekends and explore something new every day so yeah. um yeah it's definitely. definitely if you don't do what makes you happy trading is is life sucking like when i was day trading a lot um in the summer i i went through like a hard time where I lost like a lot of money in, in just a day. And then I just kept like revenge trading. And this was just on commons. Um, cause I wasn't even, cause I knew my head was so out of, out of whack. I didn't want to mess with options at that time, but even just with commons, I was able to lose a lot of money and, um, it's super, super stressful. And, you know, I had to take like a week and just like do what I like to do. And, refresh it's definitely a mental game for sure yeah 
Yeah. yeah, I know when Jimmy lost a lot of money options trading, he just kind of sat back, rethought his strategy, and then, you know, changed things up. Yeah. It's good to take some time and reevaluate what's important and then get your head back in the game. Yeah, 100%. Wow. Anyway, can't blame you. It was awesome having you on the show. Appreciate yeah, thanks. Time. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks so much, King Blamey. Learned a lot. Enjoyed, Great yeah. conversation. Hope you enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was good. Hopefully, uh, people enjoyed it, and um, thank you for having me on. For sure. Awesome. Thanks so much. Enjoy your Sunday. All right. Yeah. Little